Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Vinman, and I'm on Red Wine and Blue's first ever Troublemaker Tour. I'm sitting down with suburban women in Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania to hear about what matters to them. Welcome to my Kitchen Table Conversations. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Vinman. Today, I am joined by Sophia Fifner. Thank you for joining me, Sophia. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. And I think we should just jump in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a suburban mom who lives in Columbus, Ohio. I'm incredibly passionate about women's organizations. I spend a lot of my time volunteering with uh, organizations that support survivors of sexual assault and that support gender equity. I'm a mother of two, and I've spent 15 years in philanthropy and advocacy and love all things politics. Oh, okay. Well, you're perfect. Uh, that, that's, I can't wait to talk to you. So you're a former Republican. Is that true? Yeah, it's been a very challenging uh, evolution over the last several years. I would certainly say that the election of President or former President Trump definitely took a toll on my perception of the party and the direction that it was moving. Mm -hmm. Same, same. Uh, I think we're not alone as well as like a group therapy session. But is there one thing sort of specifically that pushed you out of the party? Yeah, I would say that the election in 2016, one, I didn't, I was like a lot of really suburban women who I saw what was happening in our country in 2016. I was not happy with the the conversations around women, around survivors of sexual assault, around um, immigrants. I was devastated the night after the election, or quite frankly, it was the morning after the election. It was awful. And then since then, I I was really hopeful that perhaps I could understand where some of the MAGA Republicans were coming from. I really wanted to understand why they felt the way that they did. So much so that I participated in a leadership program here in Columbus for Republican women, because I wanted to speak with other Republicans and get a feel for why is this happening and how do we stop? this progression of cultural intrusions that are happening in our lives every single day? And how do we start building conversations that are more inclusive? And unfortunately, individuals like myself who are more moderate, I don't feel like we have a place in the Republican Party, you know, especially for the elected officials who would say that they are pro-life in public, but behind closed doors share with me that, well, I'm actually pro-choice, but I can't say that I'm pro-choice and be a Republican right now because I won't win. Their lack of advocacy for humanity has put us in a place where we are today with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, I just, I can't, that on top of everything that's happened, this the whole fiasco with, you know, Florida and Texas and sending uh, individual migrants who are, you know, to Martha's Vineyard, like all of it, I just, I, I can't be part of an organization or represented by an organization that I feel does such damage to humanity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I completely agree with you. I, I, I was just sharing, um, my husband and I attended a gala and in, in May in DC. And there were so many people, Republicans who came up and said, Oh, I, I admire you so much. Thank you for what you did. I I mean, I don't say anything publicly, but thank you. And I just have to walk away. He's a lot more gracious than I am, and he can take it, but I cannot. Because that's why we're in this situation, is this lack of, 
And I don't know why, just so you can pay less in taxes? Honestly, I think that there's a lot of, especially women, Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of Republican women who feel the same way that I do, but are timid to to use their voice and to say anything about it. Um, Especially women who are running for office. Oftentimes I'll meet women who are more moderate, but will say, well, if I say anything, then, you know, the, the party won't support me. Or if I say anything, then, you know, I really can't prevent bad, you know, campaign ads running. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I I am so done with women not utilizing their voice yes. in every single space. Because when we don't speak up, when we don't speak up, people will take our rights away. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, a, I'm not okay with that. I also find women are really intimidated. A lot of women are, are intimidated. And I've personally encountered that, like speaking out and saying, this isn't right. They, they just, mm-hmm. they can't bring themselves to do it. And I find it so upsetting because if we did it in numbers and if more people did it, then it wouldn't be such, the fear wouldn't be there because yeah. we they wouldn't have so many like individuals to attack. It's easy to peel off people mm-hmm. and attack them individually. But if everyone or there's a group of people saying it, it's much more difficult to do that. And I think that's what we kind of have to do is show them in numbers. I, I have a really good friend, um, a really close friend of mine, Rena Shaw, and you remind mm-hmm. me. So do you know Rena? Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, I think because I was reading about you, I immediately thought of her because you, you sort of say you're a, haven't really embraced the Democratic Party. You're like a, a woman without a party. Yeah, and I like that. Can you <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I feel like I I don't have a home. Sure. Um, and I don't have a home because where our our current system is, I feel like for both parties, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that if you are not 100% behind the party platform, (laughs) then you cannot participate. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who has always been a centrist, who's by nature diplomatic, Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to perceive anything as black and white. Mm -hmm. That being said, if I had to make a choice between a party that wants to support humans who wants to support the lived experience and the diverse experiences of everyday Americans, I'm going to choose that party. Sure. It's an easy choice. I, I identify with this a great deal. And I've actually written about this, about not being accepted. And people continue to tell me, Twitter's a great place for this, that I'm only here because of what happened to my family. And that's an easy thing to say to me, but I'm like, what are you saying to other people who also changed their minds mm-hmm. or have also, and I often say like, I didn't leave the Republican party. They left me. I didn't change. Yeah. I'm still who I am. They're the ones who changed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a political awakening. They just kind of became crazy. And <laughs> I, I don't feel like, I mean, yes, we've all had different experiences and yeah. that informs us as we get older, as we have different experiences, our, our views on a lot of things change. But I don't think that's what happened with me and the Republican Party. Yeah. And as I've been on this tour and talked to so many women, they're new to politics in general. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can't put them down because they've never done this before. Yeah. Like, em- embrace it. Just be happy about it. Do you do you hear do you feel this way a lot? Or yeah, I, have you I, seen it as well? I see that in, in many different sectors, whether it be politics or philanthropy, even. I think that there's this, you know, this perspective that if you don't understand everything about it, then you can't be part of our club. Mm-hmm. And I think that life is a journey. Philanthropy is a journey. Understanding h- human issues that impact every... I, I hope that people do not feel the same way about diversity, equity, inclusion training yeah. as they would in 1952. I hope that we've evolved. I hope that in 
2052, that we've evolved even further towards a place of inclusion. And I hope that there are more leaders that will in parties and organizations that will embrace women like that who are just on a journey and trying to understand and do their best. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that the Republican Party left you and I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I hosted along with Crystal Lett uh, with Red, White and Blue in my living room, a conversation for nearly four years with Republicans and Democrats because we love talking about politics and what was going on in the country in 2016 through 2020. And what I realized from all of those conversations, regardless of where people stood, I felt that if you lean into love, if you lean into listening with an open mind, that more likely than not, you'll find that you have a lot in common and that you can bring people along on your journey. And that's my goal um, with a a new project that I started, Brave Philanthropists. I really want to make sure that women feel comfortable in the space of philanthropy and advocacy and fundraising, because as somebody who's spent a lot of time in that space, I feel like that's one thing that I can do as a suburban mom to help more women find their voice. I think much like politics, philanthropy is a place where you don't have to be a multimillionaire, um, you know, trust fund recipient in order to participate in philanthropy. And you don't have to be a full-time advocate to be involved in politics either. It doesn't have to be your whole life. Both exactly. of these things. And these are a lot of misconceptions. We just get these crazy ideas, but that's not the way it has to be. You can yeah. do all these things and contribute to your community without it being, you know, and in all the other things that we all have to do because we're super busy. So I do want to talk a little bit more about your advocacy um, as a sexual assault survivor and the the work you do there. Yeah. So um, I was sexually assaulted nearly 20 years ago, and it took me a good 15 years to even be able to say that out loud without breaking down into tears. Um, You know, the 2016 election was really transformational for me because I realized that as somebody who had worked on Capitol Hill, who had spent a lot of time advocating for other issues, that I wasn't advocating for myself. There was actually this this specific moment that I will never forget. It was the morning after the election, I was holding my firstborn child, Caroline, and I was sobbing, like, like the ugly cry, like snot coming down your nose, like sobbing. And I was sobbing because I was so upset about how I felt that my neighbors did not care about my lived experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As a survivor of sexual assault, to have a president speak so, so terribly about women, about assaulting women, it just didn't sit well with me. So I decided, I made a promise to her that I would always do good that matters. And to do good that matters, I really needed to do some healing. Mm-hmm. So I spent a good amount of time working with a therapist because I wanted to be able to advocate for other survivors of sexual assault. I like talking about policy and mm-hmm. legislation. I know how to do that. Um, but I wasn't doing it for survivors of sexual assault. So I spent quite a bit of time in therapy, um, understanding and healing from the experience that I had. And then I started reaching out to every single women's organizations in Ohio and every single rape crisis center to see how I could get involved and how I could help them. 
Hmm. And from that, um, I had an opportunity or have had several opportunities to provide testimony on some really key pieces of legislation in our state uh, to help uh, sexual uh, sexual assault survivors have the funding that they need mm-hmm. to receive the services that mm-hmm. they they need to heal, and then also to prevent sexual assault from happening. So legislation like Aaron's Law, which helps educate teachers and children about um, appropriate touch, which is so important because as a child, there was no word for rape mm-hmm. in my household. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard what that what that was. I didn't know that that's what happened to me when it happened. Mm-hmm. Children should know what appropriate touch is and what appropriate touch isn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful that I've been able to do a lot of advocacy work in that space to help other women and girls. That's amazing. So I know in Ohio, there are some proposed bills in the state legislature right now, um, divisive concept bills um, that would make it illegal or, you know, ban these kinds of conversations and this kind of education. Yeah, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, it's really hard. Because even as a survivor of sexual assault, when I speak to other women or other organizations, or just, you know, the you know general, the general public, mm-hmm. um, about my experience as a sexual assault survivor, even before we get to legislation, there are preconceived notions of what it means to be a survivor of sexual assault. There are levels, uh, there are questions that I receive about, well, are you sure that you were, is that really assault? Mm-hmm. Um, is, how do you know you can believe the 20 plus women who are currently pursuing litigation against Deshaun Watson? Like, mm-hmm. We have a culture that does not support women or believe women. So yes. I'm not surprised that there are legislation that's being proposed in the state of Ohio that does not support women. So when there are bills like that, the best thing that I can do and that other women continue to do is to, to build partnerships, build alliances, try to share the, the stories and messages of survivors as much as possible, and to help people understand that if you want to support women, sometimes it's it's not just volunteering, mm-hmm. it's making a financial contribution mm-hmm. to organizations that are supporting social change. It's writing your elected official, sending them an email, giving them a phone call and letting them know how you feel. So when they go up to support a piece of legislation or vote against it, they know that they have the community behind them. And I know you talked about the going through therapy and learning, you know, how to be able to talk about it so that you could advocate for it. By doing what you're doing, it also gives other people permission and encourages and inspires them to share their story. Mm -hmm. And that is extremely powerful. And I think women have um, a very unique ability and opportunity to to share in a personal way, and it does reach and touch people. Yeah, I speak quite extensively about finding um, just or seeking justice, because for mm-hmm. me, going through the traditional legal system was not an option Yeah, for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of Black women like myself, the justice system might not be the right solution for them. And healing sure. comes in multiple forms. Mm-hmm. And for me, advocacy is my healing mm-hmm. method. It's mm-hmm. what I do to heal. Yep. And it's why I speak out. But for others, it might be something where it's not necessarily speaking about their experience. Perhaps it's creating art about their experience. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those things are so valid and so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a one size fits all to almost anything in life. I totally agree. So let's talk about the midterms. Yay! <laughs> we talked a little bit before. Um, you know, we have different different levels of hope and optimism uh, exist, I think, uh, even among people that work in the same space. So how are you feeling? What are your thoughts on the midterms? I'm really nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 
I'm just a mom with a megaphone here in Ohio, and I am trying to do everything I can to educate my my neighbors and my friends to talk about the election, to let them know that it's happening, to make sure they're registered to vote, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm nervous because as somebody who likes data and polls, you know that the (laughs) polls and data can be wrong. And for Ohio, our Supreme Court candidates, Mm -hmm. I mean – that's going to, to completely transform. Yes, that's what I've learned everything. about Ohio. Yes, yes. I, yeah. and so I'm I'm nervous because I feel like those are the types of races that don't get the attention that they deserve, mm-hmm. but are so critical. And they're very misunderstood. People yes. don't understand it. But when we were at the event last night, I was telling someone, you know, what's really weird is like I'm originally from Oklahoma, and. One of the biggest races always, the state races in Oklahoma, is for state school board superintendent. Never in all the places we've lived with the military does anyone ever talk about this race. And it's very strange. But in different places, like different races will get more attention than others. And some are completely buried. And no matter what you do, you can't elevate it, even though it's a very important race. So this idea of the Ohio Supreme Court and like what you have the opportunity to do here is huge. But... It takes a level of education, and part of education for a lot of people is just admitting that you don't know something. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, it's totally (laughs) okay. Um, But I think some people are embarrassed. I'm embarrassed a lot of times when I don't know something. I'll try to look it up online maybe or, you know, before I ask someone so I don't sound like an idiot. But we've got to get over that because, like, just, dude, there's too much on the line. So put your pride in your handbag and maybe it's cute. And then you got to go and and find out what you need to know to save whatever it is, you know, because it's different different things in different places. But, But what are the issues that you're hearing most, like, from your friends and neighbors and acquaintances that are really on their heart the most? Yeah, you know, well, I I live in a bubble of people who are really passionate about women's rights Mm -hmm. and um, fair elections, which is is great. But it concerns me because I live in a neighborhood where uh, in my friend group of probably 20 women, I'm probably the only person who is constantly talking about what's happening Mm -hmm. in our state house or what's happening in our current election cycle. And that's concerning to me because I worry that, you know, my next door neighbors are not paying attention and will not vote for every single candidate right. who is mm-hmm. running. Might only vote for the large names that they that they're familiar with because they're sure. TV campaigns, mm-hmm. and not vote for some of the really critical positions where we live that really have a huge impact on how we how we live our lives. And in Central Ohio school board is also yeah. a huge huge deal. And I know that there are several school districts that are passing rules that prevent transgendered kids from living their full lives, from supporting diversity, equity, inclusion training, which is so critical. Well, there's a couple of bills before the House right now in Ohio that are deal specifically with these issues. Yeah, it's it gives me it makes me very concerned. Mm -hmm. And it makes me want to speak up as much as I possibly can to any human being who has ears that can hear me. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they they can't hear, I will find another way to communicate <laughs> because the the decisions that these individuals are making are so impactful to our everyday lives and I'm not willing to be quiet. <laughs> so what do you say to someone who, you know, may have this sort of evolving views on, let's say, abortion rights or abortion access? Yeah. So issues like abortion, I think, can be incredible. Like, 
because of all of the reasons Mm -hmm. of the 50 plus years that we've been talking about it in a very public way can be really divisive. Mm -hmm. I feel that the best way that I can have that conversation is by sharing my own experience. Mm -hmm. I truthfully thought that if you were pro-choice, you were Mm pro-death. I grew up in a very conservative, uh, evangelistic household Mm -hmm. where we did not talk about sex. There was no pro-choice. You were only pro-life. And there were no other alternatives. As a mother, I didn't realize what it would be like to be pregnant and all of these steps that you have to go through to get pregnant and to maintain a healthy pregnancy. I just had no idea. Yeah. I was completely misinformed mm-hmm. and I relied on the thought leaders within my community to shape my opinion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until uh, I had a meeting uh, specifically, it was a meeting to talk about a, a state pack here in Ohio to support women who are running for office. It's called the Matriots. It's really cool. But um, there's, we were talking, I was asking them, why do the candidates have to be candidates that support bodily autonomy? Like, why can't it just be about the, econ- the economy? This is in my Republican days. Mm-hmm. And someone very sharply turned over and said, I am not pro death. And I was like, oh, I-, I don't know why that moment was a moment that made me really pause and think about my stance on being pro choice or pro life, mm-hmm. but it made me think. And I spent, several years really thinking about like what does mm-hmm. it mean to be pro-choice H- how can i really support women and what does that experience look like but knowing that i couldn't even go to my doctor to confirm that i was pregnant for a p- very much planned pregnancy until eight weeks mm-hmm. makes you pretty furious when you yeah. have legislation that says you can't mm-hmm. get an abortion after mm-hmm. six weeks right it's unfathomable mm-hmm. it's, it's for all the reasons no i i completely agree what do you what do you wish that politicians understood better about women of color? <laughs> Everything, <laughs> not not all not all elected officials. I think that um, for the thing that I I really appreciate about spaces that value diversity, equity, and inclusion is that not no one's going to get it right or, or perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't get it right or perfect all the time. But they're willing to have the conversation and willing to acknowledge the intersectional experiences that I have as a black woman or as a black survivor of a survivor of sexual assault mm-hmm. and being believed and heard. So I wish that more elected officials would approach any policy that they're looking at with an intersectional lens. And if they are not from that community, then invite those individuals to the table to make sure that when we're shaping policy, that we're shaping policy that can truly support the communities that you're representing and understand the rippling effect that the ripple effect that it might have on neighboring communities as well. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I I just have one more question. And I don't know if you're allowed to speak on this. But is Ohio some sort of like witness protection program for people who formerly worked in DC? And then they just move here? Because I'm kind of getting this impression that you guys all moved to Ohio from their there's Katie Paris, there's Crystal here, we're doing this in her home, and she works in DC occasionally, and you as well. Yeah. So what what is the connection? You know, I would just say that Ohioans are really passionate about their communities in all the best and worst ways. Okay. Bam. And um, you have people who feel, you know, when you're young, you feel this great sense of pride for your 
small town or mm-hmm. your city. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that lends itself to doing everything you can to support that community and to build it up. And for mm-hmm. me, that took me to living and working in Washington, D.C. and spending an entire career dedicated to service. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just really thankful to do that. Well, thank you. And thank you for your service. There's so many ways to engage in public service. It is a passion for my husband and I both, and we both like to advocate for that in many different ways, whether it's your full-time job or your part-time gig, but that we all engage, meet our neighbors, and realize we're part of something bigger than ourselves and, you know, our community, our country, all of it. We're all in this together and we got to figure out a way to make it work and we can all row in the same direction. But thank you so much for um, sitting down and chatting with me, Sophia. Oh, thanks for having me.